Good morning and welcome to this assembly. May we have our Bibles open. Romans chapter 12 is where we will begin. Romans chapter 12. We are still very early in the year 2022. I hope it is true of each one of us. We are engaged in daily Bible reading. We are committed to regular attendance here for Bible classes and other assemblies. And we are devoted to prayer for people, for our work here, to thank God and praise Him, and to pray for our own spiritual growth and pray for the nation and families. What a difference it can make in our lives when we read and study and live according to the Word of God. Christ died to make this possible. This morning, may I take us to the New Testament, the book of Romans. I'll be in chapter 12. It might be said that everything Paul wrote in the previous chapters, 1 through 11, leads up to this. His early statements in the first chapters of Romans about man's problem, which is sin, and then his explanation of God's solution for both Jews and Gentiles. After that, his response to various arguments and questions. And it all turns very practical in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. One immediate thought from this reading as Christians, we do not seek to conform to the world around us. I mean, that's the first thing we get from this passage. As Christians, we do not seek to conform to the world around us. No, our purpose is to conform to the will of God. And so we present our bodies to God for His good use. We seek to be holy with lives acceptable to God. We want our minds to be renewed by the will of God. And so we get up every day determined to be disciples of Christ. And that means Paul's prohibition we take seriously. Do not be conformed to this world. So one thing I need to do in Romans 12, 1 and 2 is look into my own heart and conduct. And you should look into your own heart and conduct to be certain we are not conforming to the world around us in any way. Rather, it is our purpose to conform to the will of God. Now, here's the question I raise. 
that will form the structure and theme of this sermon. What does the Bible say about this world? In fact, let me frame the question this way. What does the Bible say to our culture? I can start here and talk for seven hours. There is no other book. There is no other book that speaks to the culture of our society with the authenticity and power of this book. There are things going on around us in this nation that we do not understand or we oppose or we find confusing or even terrifying. Barnes and Noble and Amazon sell only one book that responds authoritatively to our society, our culture in 2022. What does the Bible say to our culture. That's the theme of how we're going to spend the next few moments. What does the Bible say to our culture? There are many answers. That would be the seven hours sermon. But I'm offering a few answers to remind us of the fundamental truth we need to live by, we need to speak and hold to tightly in 2022 and after. The Bible says that marriage is sacred. In Genesis 2.24, the Creator said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. If I want to know more about that, I need to go to Matthew 19. And when I get there, I need to listen to Jesus. Jesus said the same about the sacredness of marriage in Matthew 19, 1 through 9. He was committed to the sanctity of marriage as it was set up in the beginning. So I'm in Matthew 19. Now when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan and large crowds followed him and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce? and to send her away. He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits 
adultery. And I want to add to this Hebrews 13 and verse 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So we have Genesis 2.24. We have Jesus' reference to it in Matthew 19, 1 through 9. And the Hebrew writer comes back to it in Hebrews 13, verse 4. Now, when we speak of the sanctity of marriage, or we affirm that marriage is sacred, what do we mean? Does it mean the ceremony was in a church building... And a preacher said the words. Does it mean that there was a huge expensive reception with gifts and songs and speeches? It means far more. In fact, many good and godly marriages did not have big weddings, big receptions, speeches, and hired music. The couple entered into a relationship that God designed for the human race. And if you were acting in accord with what God said, you made commitments for life to each other, understanding that there are three parties in the relationship, God and man and the woman. I've often used a triangle to illustrate a good marriage with God at the top. As husband and wife move closer to God, they move closer to each other. Our culture doesn't like any of this. Our culture doesn't bother with all of this. Our culture says it is too strict, too narrow. It's not in keeping with modern ways and what people want to do. God's law of marriage stated by Jesus isn't in harmony with what most people today want to do. People just don't like what the Bible says about this. What does the Bible say to our culture? Marriage is sacred. And here is a passage that summarizes the point about family in Psalm 127 verse 1 except the Lord build the house they labor in vain that build it God's arrangement for the home and the permanence of marriage is ignored by the world but should be modeled and spoken by us God's people should be vocal in defending his law about anything and his law about marriage in particular. Not insulting, not violent, but vocal. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. What does the Bible say to our culture? The Bible says that parents are to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We read Genesis 2.24 a moment ago, and it speaks of a man leaving his father and mother to form another family. Raising your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord is what Paul said 
That's the standard in Ephesians 6 and verse 4. In Titus 2 verses 4 and 5, young women are to love their husbands and children and be well engaged in keeping the home. Many years ago, a popular political figure wrote and spoke at some length about raising children and she said, it takes a village. Listening to her and others of her persuasion, the impression was communities and government agencies should take responsibility for our children. I responded to that idea. Most preachers I know responded. While it is true that government agencies are involved in our lives and communities and neighborhoods and churches and schools, where did God put primary responsibility? Mom and dad. Mom and dad. And when mom and dad turn that responsibility over to institutions and agencies and school boards, allegiance to God has been pushed aside. God is given the oversight, the responsibility, the care and keeping and nourishing of children to parents. And let me say a parent's responsibility and priority is not to make the child happy every moment or answer their every request. The primary concern is to build that child's character so that in their adult life they are committed and responsive to Jesus Christ, not the culture. Let's be certain. Children know God's law of marriage that they are acquainted with the redemptive story of Jesus' death and what it can mean to them. Let's be certain they hear very early the instructed response to the gospel, the role of the local church, and all the other aspects of discipleship as revealed by God. Mom and dad put that into their heads and exhibit that by your lives. The Bible says to our society that violence isn't the answer. There is a rage, a contagious hostility that is running through our society that fosters violent response. So according to this modern trending thinking, if you see something in the news that disturbs you, you tear up your neighborhood. You burn police cars. You loot stores. That makes no sense. But beyond it making no sense, it is in direct violation of God's law about how we treat property and ownership and how we treat each other and how we respond to things that we may not like. The Bible speaks to this with strong, prohibitive, negative terms. I'm going to go back to Romans 12. And this time I'm going to find verse 17. 
And I'm going to read from 17 down to 21. Remember how Romans 12 begins, do not conform to the world. You may see it on TV. But Paul says, do not conform to this world. Now below that passage, I'm going down to verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. People who take to the streets and think that violence is the answer have been overcome by evil. And to this I would add Proverbs 3.31, Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. Our modern movie offerings, in my opinion, haven't changed much. Sex, crime, and violence continues to take people to the theater or the live stream in their homes. And if it is comedy or drama or war or history or whatever, still movie producers know what sells. Sex, crime, and violence. Violence has become a favorite form of entertainment, not just for kids, let me ask, when is the last time you saw a movie that recommended this? When's the last time you saw a movie that recommended this? Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That's what the Lord said in Matthew 5, 44. You may not see that on the screen. What does the Bible say to our culture? The Bible says that money isn't the answer. Solomon, one of the richest men in the world in his time, wrote a lot about money. But he didn't say, go out and get as much as you can. And use it to have a good time. Solomon said that some think that money is the answer to everything, but he said in Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 10, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. And that's echoed as well in Hebrews chapter 13. Keep your life free from the love of money. And be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Our modern culture, our society, our nation runs on money. Money itself isn't wrong. 
The problem is man's attachment to money. Making money an idol and then comes greed and oppression. I want you to do this as you read the Bible this year. Observe what is said about money. Observe in particular what the Bible says money cannot do. Money cannot buy peace. Money cannot purchase eternal salvation. Money cannot make churches better. Money cannot raise children or magically remove conflict in marriage. Money cannot buy honorable character. And so in Proverbs 28 verse 6, Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he is rich. Leading people in our society today are not listening to these warnings. We must. Money isn't the answer. So what does the Bible say about all this that we need to take out of the building into life? What keeps us from conforming to this world and getting all wrapped up in the modern culture? The conviction that we live by that God's word is final. What we observe in our culture is distressing, discouraging. It can provoke a negative, pessimistic attitude that isn't productive of any good. But when we concentrate, when we concentrate on the objective truth that God's word is final, there is a joy we can possess, a hope we can cherish, an assurance that can cleanse our minds of worry and despair about the culture. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Luke eleven twenty eight says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. No politician can change that. Nobody can cancel that. We are blessed that no matter what happens, we can hear and keep the Word of God. 1 Peter 1.25 says, the Word of God remains forever. I'm saying to myself and all of us, that when we concentrate on the objective truth that God's Word is final, there is a joy we can possess a hope we can cherish, an assurance that can cleanse our minds of worry and despair. And God is faithful, as stated by James in James 1 verse 17, with God there's no variation or shadow of turning. Society changes and people change and institutions change. Religious groups and churches change. With God, there is no variation or shadow of turning. We do not have to worry about God's mood or opinion or law changing. 
Nor should we ever entertain the idea that God is going to give up His standard and follow and endorse the culture. It says in Psalms 33 verse 11, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. If I just watch the news, keep track of all the trends, watch TV and Facebook and Twitter and browse the internet hours upon hours, I'm going to be down into a dark place of despair and anger and no good outcome. I've got to get up every day and read my Bible and pray to help me remember that God is in charge. His word speaks to our culture even though our culture doesn't listen. We can and we must knowing this, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And knowing this, the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. And knowing this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind and by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There may be people in this audience who've never yet responded to the gospel. If you recognize that God is above all, He is sovereign the Bible we've studied from today is His Word. Christ is the Son of God. Sin is man's problem. We can be redeemed by the blood. What is next in terms of your response? Hearing that truth, believing Jesus to be the Son of God, repent of your sins, be baptized into Christ, and live faithfully knowing this. Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. Let's be standing as we sing.